Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Cindy, I'd like to introduce you to Laura Marino, who is Chief Product Officer at True Accord. It's an AI-driven debt resolution company in the Bay Area. Mm. Now, yeah, so Laura was actually born in Colombia and has two master's degrees, not one, but two, in wow. management science and engineering from Stanford. And she's also a guest lecturer on product management at Stanford. She really knows her stuff. And the whole subject of tech product management, I think it will really interest our listeners. So how about we invite her in to learn about what's going on in this field and how it's moving forward? Absolutely. I'm a little intimidated, Laura. Two <laughs> master's degrees and a and a guest lecturer at Stanford. My hands are shaking a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Um, Laura, could you first start out by helping define what is product management and how is it different from product marketing? Sure. Uh, love to be here with you and with Ruth. This is very exciting. Yeah, I've been in product management for many, many, many years. And the question about what it is, is something that has come up always because it was a discipline that wasn't well understood for many years. But if I were to describe the difference between product management and product marketing at very high level, Product management is responsible for leading the creation and evolution of a product. Product marketing is primarily responsible for leading the go-to-market of that product. Now, there's a lot of interaction between product marketing and product management. Product marketing brings information about the competition, about the industry for product management, and then Product marketing works very closely with product management to understand what the product is so that they can best communicate it to the market. But product management really is at the core of leading the development of solutions. And so the product manager leads the product teams and the product teams are charged with solving customer and business problems. And they were product management works very closely with engineering and with design to come up with effective solutions that have to have these four characteristics. They have to be valuable for the customers to choose to buy and use them. They have to be viable from the business perspective. So considering the constraints of the business, they have to be usable so that the users can figure out how to use it. And they have to be feasible from a technical perspective, they have to, it must be possible to build those solutions given the technology. Of course, uh, a lot of the usability and feasibility fall on the design and the engineering team, but product management is working with them and really making sure that the whole team is building the right product. So it sounds like product management is representing the customer need into the firm where the designers and 
the engineers will be able to build it to to meet those customer needs. Is that a yes, good way of summarizing what you said? Product manager is the voice of the customer in this product team. And the product manager has to make the tough calls on what to build and what not to build. And the product manager then works closely with the design team and the engineering team to figure out exactly what the solution will look like. So I'm guessing the characteristics of a great product manager include diplomacy and tact. <laughs> but yes. that is wow. a serious, serious question. What, what makes a great product manager in the product tech world? Managers, you're right, because product managers have a lot of responsibility, but don't have a lot of authority. They are leading this product teams. They are leading engineering groups, but those engineering groups and those design groups don't report into the product manager. So the product manager has to have the ability to bring the team along to explain why is it that the team is building what they are building. And the product manager also needs to be able to negotiate with all the other stakeholders internally and externally. Uh, my experience is that there's never enough engineering and design bandwidth to build everything that everybody would like. And right. product managers really need to be negotiating and prioritizing what is going to be the most important uh, functionality for the customer. And it sometimes uh, means it's not exactly what sales is asking for or what marketing is asking for, or what engineering might want to build. Right. Laura, so your background is so fascinating, having uh, an engineering background as well. And we're talking about technical product management in technology companies. Do you believe to be successful, an individual needs to have the technical skills to interact with engineers, interact with software technologists? Will they be respected if they don't have a background similar to theirs? I've had product managers that have background in engineering, and it helps, especially if they are working on areas of the product that are very technical. But I've had product managers that have very varied backgrounds. Sometimes it's very helpful to have product managers that come from a different uh, experience. They may know more about the domain. If you're building a product for a specific industry or specific domain, it is helpful to have someone who understands that domain. Uh, sometimes people who have more of a design background can be really good product managers, especially if they're working on areas of the product that are very consumer facing. So while I would say some technical background may be helpful to get the credibility of the engineering team, it is not necessary and it's not necessarily uh, desirable for every single product management position. So what are some of the issues that are facing product management as a profession today? It's interesting because product management has really evolved. When I first started in product management, um, the discipline wasn't very well understood. Product management lived under marketing. And I think that that's historically uh, product management had started in the 
CPG space with brand people who were responsible primarily for the pricing, positioning, packaging of uh, the products. And when it came into technology, it still lived under marketing. But over time in technology, the realization that product was so much at the core of the success of the business and the realization that products had to evolve very quickly, essentially forced um, the company to say, no, product has to be a department in itself. And it cannot be under marketing. It cannot be under engineering. That was some, a few companies had product management under engineering. So it became a department that partners with marketing and with engineering, but it's really driving what the, the product should be and the direction and the vision. And with that also has come, I would say, even more pressure and more responsibility. So product management is an incredibly exciting role. I love it. I've been in this for many, many years and love it. But it is um, a lot of pressure and it requires that people be able to understand the constraints of the business from the legal marketing finance perspective. It requires that, that they understand the customer very, very well and that they're able to uh, get data about the customer. And it requires that they also understand the technology enough to know what's possible. So it's a very uh, complex, it's a very complex role. And as I said, requires the ability to negotiate and be very diplomatic because you're never going to be able to uh, please everybody. It's my impression, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Laura, that we used to have lots of time to do product development or, or product management. We could talk about it, think about it, do feasibility studies, get our you know teams together. And and what I hear a lot now is you know you know most viable base product or fast prototyping, and there seems to be please. If you agree or disagree, let us know. A push to get out of market faster, cheaper, smarter uh, with highly technical products. Is that a true statement? Yes, that's true. The speed of innovation, the speed of delivery has really been accelerated, especially with once we move to SaaS, to software as a service, a lot of the uh, process of getting a new piece of software out really were accelerated. You just can launch a new piece of functionality, a new feature any, at any moment. So that has put pressure on innovating and accelerating. And depending on the type of product, you will have teams that are pushing new pieces of um, software or new functionality out every day. And wow. they, I mean, if you think of companies like Google, they will be testing new things on a multiple times a day, they may be releasing new things. Now that's probably the extreme. And, but what they are doing and what a lot of this software, especially business to consumer software companies do is that they do a lot of iterations. They will try something new. They will test with a subset of their consumers, see if it worked. And they're continuously iterating and trying something new. If you're in business to business, you may not be able to do it as fast because businesses need time to either retrain their users or 
adjust their business processes to take advantage of the new functionality. But even so, the expectations are very, very high in terms of quick innovation, quickly delivering more and more value. Wow, lots of pressure. So where's this all going for product managers in in tech companies? If the speed continues to accelerate, is there some limit beyond which they can't possibly code any faster? Or I'm sure AI is helping. Where do you see things going in the future? Well, I don't think that it's it's uh, the speed. I mean, we're already at a very high speed. And as I said, depending on the product, that works well. Some products should not move that, that quickly. But what I see is product management continuing to play a bigger and bigger role in tech companies. Uh, what that will mean is further pressure on product managers and also further specialization. You brought up AI. AI is an incredibly powerful tool. It's also something that requires understanding so that it's used correctly and fairly. So what you see is product managers now having to specialize and the product manager that's responsible for the consumer experience will have uh, certain characteristics and, and abilities that are different than the product manager that's working directly with the data science team on AI. Uh, but overall, I see product management increasingly driving a lot of the vision of the product and the vision of where the company is going. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. In the case of AI, for example, the fact that you can build something doesn't necessarily mean that you should build it, right? So there are considerations that now product managers themselves should have around what should be built and uh, considerations about fairness and integrity. There's another very interesting um, uh, thing that's happening, and it's I don't know if you've heard about product-led growth. There's a realization that for certain types of products, a lot of those are B2B products, the most effective way for the company and the product to grow is not through uh, big sales teams and big marketing efforts, but rather by having the product be the vehicle for growth. And if you think of companies like Slack and even Zoom, it's now less about a big sales team going and making a sales pitch. It's more the users get exposed to the product and the product has been designed in a way that's easy for users to try it for free. And then they realize that there's value and then they want uh, to buy the product. And then they see that there's more functionality and they may decide to up level to the next range of the product. And it's all by users being exposed to the product itself that there's growth. So there's a very interesting uh, effort now to make more and more of those companies product-led growth because it's very effective. Wow. Now that's Fascinating. What is the financial model for that? I mean, if you think about, you said, exposing consumers or end users for free and then hoping that they will up-level to a paid version of that. So 
how do you make the uh, financial ROI for that? Or um, why would a company invest for free? And then how do you, do you have like a break-even or you're looking more at like net present value or internal rate of return? Are those more important decisions than perhaps, you know, revenue contribution? Well, I mean, I don't know exactly what the various companies may be looking specifically, but it it works very well. As an example, Zoom, right? Zoom has a free version that anybody can get on, but it has limitations, right? So you can get a Zoom account, but you can have calls that will last for only 35 minutes and then you get cut off. What this does is it exposes to the consumers the value of Zoom. And then you can say, okay, now I really wanna be able to have all of my conversations in Zoom. I don't wanna be cut off. So I'm willing to pay for a subscription. And really the cost of providing that free version is not very high. We're talking about software, but the it's a lot less expensive than having salespeople try to reach every single one of those consumers. Yeah. Uh, so it is a very effective approach. Now it doesn't work for every type of product, but certainly for products where the users individually can get value. And there's also value more broadly for a company that um, approach of starting with a freemium uh, version that provides some functionality and then having people upgrade is very, very effective. Now, one other direction I'd like to take you, Laura, is thinking about the the specialization that you described as the future of where product management is going. You mentioned specifically specializations in consumer experience and data science. That's so interesting. But what is not going to change in the area of product management? It sounds like there's a lot of development and growth, but what is it, what's going to stick with us, do you think? I think at the core, what the product managers, every product manager, no matter what area they're responsible for, still need to be able to do is have this ability to understand what it, it's required for their product to be valuable to the customer. So that means a lot of empathy, understanding, and listening. Those are very important characteristics. And also understanding the business so that it's viable for the business. Product managers need to understand their business, the constraints that they need to operate so that they are making sure they're building the right thing. And I think that that's not going to change. I also think that the concept that the product managers have to have leadership capabilities because they need to influence people without having those people report to them is something that's going to continue to be true no matter what specific area of the product the product manager has. That's incredible and absolutely explains to me why Sometimes half of the students in my MBA classes are saying they want to go into product management. Sounds like just a great career for the right person. Yes. I, Ruth, maybe that's a great uh, last question for Laura. If this interests you and our listeners have an interest in going into this profession, what are some of the recommendations you would make to them? What studies should they involve themselves in? And what should they involve themselves in in their companies? 
Right. So there is now a lot more resources. When I started in product management, as I said, it was still a very un, not well understood discipline. Now there are a lot of books written about product management, universities. I had the chance to be part of Ruth's class. Uh, I gave a session in her class on new product development. So there's more opportunities for people who are interested to start being exposed to what product management is, what are the types of tools that they should have, and what are the characteristics that product managers need to have. So I would say start looking for some of those resources. There are some very well-known um, uh, writers. Marty Kagan is fabulous. He has written mm -hmm. a lot about product management. So I think that he's one of the best ones. And the universities themselves are starting to offer courses in product management, whether it's shorter sessions just to introduce it to the students or full semester long sessions. I would say students should start proactively trying to understand what it is, see if that's what they are interested in. And in terms of the background, that's very helpful. A combination of some technical background and some business understanding are really, really valuable for product managers. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Laura. This has been so interesting. And now I think, Cindy, you and I are going to be better able to guide our students in these directions, eh? Absolutely. I learned a tremendous amount, Laura. Thank you so much for making a difficult and complex subject so easy to understand. Well, thank you for having me. I love talking about product management. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Laura. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Cindy, we learned so much from Laura. And one of the topics that she explained to us that really fired me up is the idea that product managers may even become the drivers of the vision for a company's future. We usually think of that role as living in the C-suite, maybe in a strategy group, and that it could be pushed down to the level of product management, which is, you know, the runs vertically across the, the firm, but allows people who are really pretty new to the company or to the function to claim a, a visionary role is really exciting. I, um, I think that the, the students that you and I have in MBA programs or, or other master's programs are understanding that, that future for themselves and thus glomming onto this career path. Yeah, that was really interesting. Um, you know, West Virginia University, WVU, our, our sponsor, has a brand equity management course. Mm. And, you know, tying brand product equity together. Think about those of us who are strategic thinkers, how what Laura said is you need to be more than just an engineer and more than just a designer because you're touching the whole business. Um, that was really fascinating. I agree with you, Ruth. What also struck me as so interesting was her definition of what makes good product in product management, right? The conversation around those four pillars, it has to be viable, feasible, 
valuable and usable. Uh, and that was a great clarity moment for me on how product management looks at the whole ecosystem. And I can see that having come out of tech product management, but it feels that it's applicable across all categories and can be anybody who's developing products can use that same kind of framework to, to guide their efforts. And then it gets us away from potentially some of the issues you have with the competitive friction between sales and engineering and finance, the other uh, departments where they're now fighting for whether it's control of the process or uh, a, a voice at the table. If it has to meet these four criteria, then we all can agree better. Helps with that diplomacy, she said. I was also thinking the idea of constant testing, iteration, she was saying this is particularly important in B2C software development, where you come up with a hypothesis, you add the new technology or the new features to your product, you throw it out <laughs> in the marketplace, and you get people to react. That really sounded like direct marketing testing where we grew mm. up, Cindy, isn't it? And the idea that if you have a base of users, you have an environment that you can throw new ideas into and get literally real market feedback and constantly improve. Loved that. Yes. I mean, the idea of A-B testing or just the rapid prototyping, uh, get it out there and, you know, see how it's adopted, see what happens, and then um, iterate from there. That was really interesting when she said that their companies, of course, you mentioned in Google, that literally can throw out a new product every day. Whoa. And yeah, what a lot of pressure that places. Um, and then, you know, where does this leave marketing? So, you know, when we asked her product management versus product marketing, and it it's it was very clear the difference. Uh, but in this environment where you put it out in a user audience and you let the users guide you in the adoption acceptance uh, instead of marketing pushing the product mm -hmm. out there. So it sounded to me almost like product marketing was taking a back seat. Hmm. Well, certainly she mentioned that sales, you don't need as many salespeople. <laughs> You're actually yes. signing people up for a freemium type of introduction and then upselling them to paid. And that's a marketing function. So let's worry about the future of our sales counterparts. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the job function, though, just going back to that, I loved that it requires you to be both customer-focused and understanding the product functionality and need and how to get that done engineering-wise and design-wise. But you also have to be a business person. You have to yes. understand the legal, the finance, and other business functions that often engineers and, and technical workers are not asked to think about. So again, I'm just going to point, point out again, this seems like a perfect job for people with advanced business degrees. 
because they are trained Absolutely. in both sides. Mm-hmm. And can uh, mm-hmm. they're articulate. They have the ability to see it from both the inside out there. As she said, they represent the product need, um, but they are ultimately the voice of the customer. I might have gone into this role earlier in my career <laughs> if I had the chance. So what are our three takeaways, Cindy? What, are, what would you say is one of the three little piggies that we should summarize with? Oh, I think that the um, the speed of innovation and that it's accelerating and that SaaS has put pressure on design and implementation, pushing out product even every day, right? That um, B2C does lots of iteration and testing, trying something new. And that while the B2B environment may not allow for the same accelerated innovation, the expectations have been growing because of what we're seeing in the consumer side. Absolutely. And then another conclusion or little pig I would put forth is this idea of product-led growth that Mm -hmm. we can actually use product iteration and introductions as a strategy for firm growth without necessarily big sales expense and uh, let let people react to a, a product idea and sign up for a, a, a revenue-producing relationship. Fantastic. Yeah. When she said product is at the success of the organization, what a different way to look at it, right? Sure goes beyond the four Ps and puts you right up front. Right. Um, the banner up front. And then maybe our third um, summary point would be about the characteristics of a product that will work in the marketplace. Those four pillars, viable, usable, valuable, and feasible, technically. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that. And I think we should all have that pinned on the walls of our virtual offices. <laughs> Well, it's such a practical approach to so many things, not just product, service. I mean, if you just think about how you can use that as just rational, logical way to approach so many things um, in development, you know, does it meet the sniff test? It, I, that was a really good way to approach it, those four. It's a marketing concept. You know? yeah. it's, let's, yeah. let's serve the need of the marketplace. And that that this is coming out of the tech world is very exciting. And I think now that we've talked about tech product management and where it is going, I think we should try to find a guest to talk about consumer packaged goods, product management, and where it may be going in the future. What do you say? I think so. I think that would be a great companion to our conversation with Laura. Really appreciate you introducing her onto our podcast, Ruth. And and for all of our listeners, this does seem like a very exciting, strategically focused career path for those individuals that are looking to have a really impactful seat at the table. Here, here. Thanks, Cindy. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu.
edu slash MC today to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.